going to move on and talk about Cricket South Africa's social justice and nation building project. We've been covering it extensively here on SAFM. There is a break at the moment, probably at the halfway point. Um, innings break, if I could put it that way. And that's why we've invited uh, the transformation ombudsman of Cricket SA, advocate Dumisan Sebeza, who's been chairing the hearings just to give us an update of where we are and where we are going with these hearings. Advocate, good evening from us here on SAFM. Thank you very much again for being able to speak to us tonight. Good, uh, good evening, and uh, I'm pleased to be here with you and with all the listeners. Thank you, Advocate. The hearings have been going on now for a couple of weeks, the number of weeks rather, and there was even an extension. Are you satisfied with the progress made so far? Yeah, well, I mean, look, one has got to make do with what one has. Mm-hmm. We lost valuable time when... Uh, you know, we couldn't start at the time that we had wanted to start, but is now at the beginning of May. Um, and in the in the circumstances, it took us almost you know a month before we could resume the hearings. And uh, that's number one. Number two, I have always uh, said that uh, this is a process that uh, it is ambitious to think one could accomplish within a period of six months, and that includes writing all the reports. Uh, because what one does not want to have is a situation where, like all the other hearings, or yeah, all the other commissions, we reminded here of the Judge Nicholson mm. uh, Commission of Inquiry, that this uh, ends up like another talk shop uh, with recommendations that never get implemented, or uh, with recommendations which are not extensive because time for the hearing was uh, very much truncated. Uh, I was six months from the end of, you know, I mean from the beginning of July, everything uh, needs to deliver a product. Mm. Yeah, we'll see how, how it works. Mm. Yeah. And just to go back a bit, Advocate, maybe for those who have joined the hearings in the middle and are, are not aware how they started, why were these hearings formed and, and what are we trying to achieve with these SJN hearings? Well, for hearings of this nature, you always have to depend on what the mandate of uh, the transformation ombudsman is. And the mandate is, um, you know, can be gleaned from the terms of reference of the Office of the Transformation Ombudsman. Um, and, 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 and I'll read just a portion of them, and you'll see how ambitious mm. the entire project is. For instance, the terms of reference say the objectives of the social justice and nation-building project including, include promoting unity and reconciliation by one, promoting equality in cricket, that's a call order. Two, determining the cause, the nature, and the extent of the racial discrimination and lack of transformation in cricket structures since unification, including the antecedents, circumstances, factors, and context of such discrimination, as well as the perspectives of the victims and the motives and perspectives of the alleged perpetrators by conducting investigations and holding hearings and, you know, and then determining 
you know, after all those hearings, um, you know, uh, what, what, you know, after you have afforded alleged perpetrators the opportunity to respond to allegations level against them, and then establish and make known the fate or whereabouts of victims, and by restoring the human and civil dignity of such victims by granting them an opportunity to relate their own accounts of their victims. Now, I mean, that's a huge you know, area of inquiry. You know, not even the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, in which I was privileged to serve, mm. had such a wide mandate you know, of inquiry. But, you know, it's doable if one, you know, looks into how one is going to approach uh, holding of the hearings. In fact, I'm quite surprised uh, by what we have achieved so far in terms of the number of people who have been able to hear, mm. uh, where we have been giving people one and a half hours, you know, and you, uh, and you realize in the hearing that people really would like to say a lot of more things that um, you, can, you can accommodate within the provided time. Yes, and I've I've heard some of the testimonies. I've gone on for two hours. There was a three-hour one, also, and we do try and listen as we as as we go along. And um, we are speaking to Advocate Dumisa Nzebeza, who is the Transformation Ombudsman for Cricket South Africa's Social Justice and Nation Building Hearings. I'm going to try and get him on a better line. We can make out what he's saying, but just for clarity, so that we can hear everything. We're hoping to get him on a better line. But right now, if you have any questions um, to ask, any anything you want to find out about the SJN hearings, especially if you've been following the also that also helps um, you can also send us your voice notes to 061-4104-107 and you can put through your questions there in any clarity remember we are I did say at the top of the show we're staying away from nitpicking the testimonies because um, those who have been mentioned who have been implicated still have to come back and respond so in respect of these hearings they are not finished yet they're not completed yet I think we must respect the process so that um, uh, so that's why I'm saying that let's not ask those about the testimony specifically, but in general, anything you want to find out about uh, these hearings. And Advocate, you, you said earlier on that uh, you've been given six months for these projects and that, that's ambitious. Ideally, how long does a project like this take? Uh, I mean, look, uh, for instance, in the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which, which morally, that's why I've called this, the TRC of cricket. Mm. You know, I, you know, we took about two years and then we asked for an additional time. Yeah, I had said to those who were interviewing me before I took the job that, you know, we should uh, spread it over a period of 18 months, 18 to 24 months. Um, and if there is um, a need, to even ask for a third uh, six-month period during which we'll be writing our report. Now, you can imagine, when I had estimated that this could be accomplished in about 18 to 24 months, now I'm told to do it in six months. Mm, Yeah, it's doable, but it's not going to give me the kind of result that I wanted, nor the kind of result that the South African Jewish and listening public would want. But at the but more importantly, it's not so much what is going to be in the recommendations and the report that is important. is whether or not, you know, we are going to see transformation in cricket. And you must remember, transformation means a lot of different things to different people. But, yeah, well, I mean it now. So I'd, I'd better make 
the success of it. And based on what you've heard then, Advocate, do you think you're getting the importance of why these hearings are to take place, or this project oh, yes. to take place? Yeah, you know, I must be careful, yeah, you know, because I haven't heard, you know, any of those people who have been mentioned, mm. and especially those who have been mentioned to their detriment. They may have, you know, an explanation for some of the things that they are alleged to have said, but as you, as I've read you the terms of them, they are very explicit. They talk about perpetrators. They talk about victims. And uh, that is then the area in which we must make findings. But I don't want to proceed on the basis that all those who are mentioned, you know, are in fact perpetrators. Because one thing that has trained me in law is that you must only make your conclusions about the merits of any matter at the end of it all. I've been surprised when I said as a judge, when, you know, when the plaintiff or, you know, or the state, depending whether it's a criminal matter or a civil matter, when they put their story, you then say to yourself, yeah, I don't know how this is going to be met by, you know, the other side against whom these allegations are made. And I tell you, when the other side puts their story, then you begin to say no. You know, so it is critically important. But it is also fair mm. also, that everyone must get their chance to put their viewpoint across. And that's what that's the process that I've assured those who have been mentioned that they will get the opportunity to be heard in the public place. Like I had said, those who want to make accusations and allegations, they must make them in the public sphere. Yes, and and on that note, you sent out the invite last week to those implicated to now respond. Um, are they oblig- obligated to respond, advocate, or what are the implications if they don't respond? No, no one is obligated to, to do anything. They can tell me to go and jump in a lake because... You know, this is not something that is done in terms of an act of parliament or, you know, regulations that have been gazetted. It's a process that is as voluntary as as you can imagine a process to be as voluntary. But I would have thought that there are certain things that have been said about people, and they are now in the public domain. And the public is, you know, is uh, is entitled to make or draw their own conclusion. Um, so it would really much be in the interest of those who have been mentioned, or especially those who have been mentioned to their detriment, to come and put their side of the story, so that at least the listening and viewing public have also a balance of what has been said. If they want to come and say, no, 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 look, so-and-so who came here and testified and said ABCD, Firstly, nothing like that happened. Or they may come and say, you know what? I now realize that what I did was not something that I should have done. But, you know, this is South Africa. This is how we're brought up. You know, uh, I'm white and uh, the other people are black. I was brought under a system that dictated that black people are inferior and white people are superior. 
I went to schools where this was implied, if it was not ingrained in our minds. I mean, if somebody of these people who have been mentioned is going to come to me and say those things, I have to take that into account. Mm. We are speaking to Advocate Dumisa and Sebeza. You can send your voice notes to 061 Any clarity that you're seeking regarding these hearings? And we do have a voice note here. Yeah? Uh, good evening, Tavisso. Uh, my question to <clears throat> the advocate is, uh, will those who are implicated uh, be coming uh, to respond with their lawyers or they, will, they can do it all, uh, by themselves? William? from Kimberley. Okay, let's take that one maybe from William first and Kimberley advocate. He wants to know then those implicated, can they bring their legal representatives? Yeah, there's, there's, there's already been an indication that one of the people who have been mentioned and wants to come and testify will be bringing the Athenian Council and whatever, and all of that. Now, I mean, look, but let me emphasize this. For the public, and also for those who are intending to come. This is a process that is intended, you know, um, to, to facilitate, you know, the, the truth uh, and, and truth-telling. And therefore, I have indicated to all those parties that there will be an opportunity that is going to be given for people to respond to what has been alleged against them. I will also create an opportunity for limited cross-examination. So the parties need to indicate whether they want to cross-examine so-and-so, so-and-so, but they must indicate to me, and this is what I send out to them, what it is, what areas do they want to cross-examine. And it's going to be limited both in terms of time and content. Mm. So um, if they bring their lawyers, and their lawyers you know, will probably uh, come in to lead them, to give the evidence that they want to give, and their lawyers, when the time is for cross-examination to take place, their lawyers will take cross-examination on like terms. And we've heard through certain reports, also advocate, that some of those who've testified have been served with legal papers. If that's true, does that surprise you? Or is that welcome also? I, I, I Just repeat the question. I'm saying we've heard that, for example, one of the, of, of the people who have testified at the SJN hearings has now been served with legal papers by the person that he made allegations against. I wanted to know if that surprises you and what do you make of that, if, if that is true? Well, it surprises me only to the extent that it is against the spirit uh, in which these hearings are held. You must remember that the terms of referencing, there must be a promotion of healing and all those kinds of things, like you know, all the things that I, I, I've read. And, um, and they, 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 there is an, a, you know, an stated in the purpose uh, of these hearings uh, for the achievement of reconciliation. Um, and, and, and I would have thought, you know, that now that there is a process and the aggrieved parties feel that they have been, you know, uh, maligned in the public space, that they should have come to the process 
and then say at the process that, you know, some of the things that have been said here are either untrue or anti-femetry. I don't know what they say to those people whom they have slept court papers on. Whether they are suing for defamation, I, I don't know. I have not been told mm. what the, those papers are. All I can say now is it is counter the aims and objectives of this entire process. This entire process is seeking to reconcile the people who played cricket because in the playing of cricket, there are allegations that some unfairness was meted against other people and some unfairness was meted against others. And this is an opportunity. You see, South Africa must know that there are other ways of resolving ingrained problems other than the litigious process. But, you know, we, we, we grew up. We grew up in a society where, you know, <laughs> it's either my way or the highway, and uh, where people believe that the only way they can, you know, resolve the problem, it is uh, by way of litigating. Now, you, you will know that, for instance, I have been chairman of, a, you know, a, 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 a company that is promoting conciliation, mediation, and, you know, uh, arbitration. Arbitration being the last resort. Where it is possible to resolve problems by way of mediation. And mediation is a process that is more complicated than just arriving at a settlement. It's a process that seeks to promote a win-win situation rather than a winner-takes-all. But South Africans have got to be used and educated, by example, that there are ways of resolving problems without seeking the intervention of the courts because you say it is either my way or no way. We need to learn that there is another way, and that other way is a win-win thing. And I had thought that this platform is providing a win-win situation. But we'll see. We hear you loud and clear, the advocate. Let's go back to the voice notes. Evening, Tabiso. Nicholas in Cape Town. Tabiso, I have a question to the, you know, uh, uh, to the minister. How far is he going to go with racism in this country, specifically in sports? Uh, how far is he going to go in order to curb this racism? And also, <clears throat> yes, we are busy celebrating, uh, uh, you know, the people who shows no interest in us as black people. And, and yet racism is mounting. It baffles me, really. Okay, um, thank you for that. You actually mentioned the minister, and uh, the minister did give an address on Friday, Advocate. I did manage to uh, watch that. But for, for those who, who did not watch it, um, what was the significance of the minister taking the stand? Well, there is a ministry of sports and recreation, or whatever it's called nowadays. Um, so, um, and there is this tension, Tabitha, 
there is always the tension of whether a minister, being a politician by definition, if he dabbles in sports or in sport issues, is he interfering or is he intervening? Is there a difference between interfering and intervening? And what is being uh, punished by the ICC if they see politicians dabbling in matters of sport? Those are some of the things that, you know, I felt, you know, this process would be incomplete if the minister didn't come. Because the minister himself has been quite vocal about issues of transformation. And I felt that his perspective is going to be important. And his perspective and what he said is going to be put to those, you know, uh, about whom things have been mentioned. It may well be that, you know, there are those who feel strongly you know, that the minister, you know, should have, should, 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 should have no say in, in sporting issues to the extent that, you know, his intervention may be interpreted as interference. You know, but it's, it's a tricky area, you know. But I deliberately wanted the minister, just like I had called Minister Balfour. Mm, because, mm, mm. It, it, you know, I also had wanted to call other ministers, and they have not indicated where they are coming or going, you know. But the, the, the significance is that there is a minister of sport, mm. and, 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 and you will know. And I, want to, I don't want to get into those politics. And you will know that he invoked a certain section, you know, uh, of the legislation. Uh, and whilst I am not competent to say that caused the interim board, you know, uh, to move, and then we have got this new board. But something, there is something that he did. The nature of which resulted in there being the new board, and uh, uh, and you know and, and and that is one of the tricky ones. But I don't regret having called him because you know there were many things that I wanted to find out from him. Like for instance, what are the you know what what does the minister of sport do for schools? You know cricket. You know because you can't talk about the grassroots when it is now manifest. That our schools, where cricket, you know, where cricketers are groomed at their very early stages, that some of these, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> institutions of learning just do not have the facilities. Mm. And then that calls into question whether we should not call the Minister of Basic Education and uh, to, to, to come and say, what does basic education do for sport? So it was important because we can't wish the government of the country away in a constitutional democracy. Okay, let's take another one, uh, Advocate. They keep coming. Good evening, Tabi Sotumani here from Mosul Bay. I'd like to find out from uh, <clears throat> from Advocate Nzebeza whether uh, Cricket SA has actually made any contact uh, with uh, the commission themselves to to avail themselves, more especially uh, the the people like your your cricketing director, who has been uh, fingered several times, uh, with respect to the head coach also uh, being um, central to some of, of, of the allegations. 
so uh, has CSA made any contact with that regard? Okay, straight to the point, the advocate, he wants to know. Yes, yes. you can go the ahead. The reason that we are not sitting next week until the 23rd is because we are creating an opportunity for people now to say, and I know that there are people who have already responded to to the legal uh, team that is assisting me. So this 14-day period is hopefully going to be used by those who want to say something, you know, uh, to say something by way of written statements and or affidavits and uh, and by offering to come and testify in rebuttal of all the things that would have been said about them. And then they would obviously down, you know, make, take advantage of the opportunity I'll create for limited cross-examination. But so between now or between Friday, last Friday, and the 23rd, I hope that we will get a number of responses. And then even Cricket South Africa, who has been mentioned, as you know, some, mm. you know, in some testimonies to their detriment because they were being blamed for what had happened. I hope Cricket South Africa will also make their submissions. And, uh, and after the 23rd, we will, we will resume the hearings and we'll deal with the outstanding issues. Okay, for those who are just joining us, we are speaking to the Transformation Ombudsman, Cricket South Africa's Social Justice and Nation Building Project Advocate to Miss Ansabeza, just getting clarity on uh, how, how the SJN process works, where we are at the moment and where we are going. Now there is a break now and those who have been implicated have been uh, formally invited to go and respond to those allegations and uh, that's the information that we're also getting from the advocate and more information. Keep sending your voice notes to 061-4104-107. We'll just take a quick break and we'll uh, wrap up after this. This is SAFM Sport with Tabiso Musia. Uh, good evening, Tabiso. Good evening to Utata Unzabeza. Uh, Tabiso, I just want to commend you for your show. And uh, I just want to wish Utata Unzabeza uh, success in this commission. He had played a pivotal role in the Thursday Reconciliation Commission. And uh, we are thankful that he is the right man for the job. So that Khlomini uh, Pika just want to say, Yomelela, Sitembele Kuwe. Thank you. Luyanda Zokofa, Ewoma, Ebai. Thank you, Leonda Zogufa, Kabeha there, and Wande Lemtana on Twitter says, Advocate Nzabeza carries the hope of South Africans in this SJN hearings and everyone who wants to see our cricket being transformed to enable equal opportunities for every ambitious cricketer despite the color of the skin and one possesses. And on that note, Advocate, I mean, it's close to 30 years since the country's reunification to international sport. I know you're a cricket fan yourself because watching these hearings, once they mention a player where they will say Desmond Haynes, you already finished the sentence, you know which player they're talking about. If they say Viv Richards or Funekongam, you already know who they are talking about, and I can see you're a cricket person yourself. How do you feel that we are still debating issues like these? Yeah, it's, it's very unfortunate. You know, it's, uh, it's as unfortunate as we are still debating issues of land after so many years after our constitution had promulgated Section 25. But then that's an I digress. Um, you see, Tabi, so. I would hope that what we do in the SJN project 
will be a benchmark for similar projects. I'm not asking for a job. I mean, there are many other people who are competent who who can do this. But there is a need for our country to begin to take seriously the need for representativity. I always make, and in fact, I made this when I was being interviewed for this job. And then I said, you know what? Sometimes it always appears that it can never be done. Like, you know, you know, Matiba is always credited for a thing. Mm. It sometimes looks impossible until it is done. I have said, if you look at the legal profession and in the legal profession, the judicial service, I mean, the judges, it's, it's, it's remarkable that, you know, in 1994, after we had voted Kumbaya, this, that, and that, the reality was that out of about 168 judges, there were only two female judges, one in the appellate division, as it then was, one in the Western Cape. Two, mm. two female judges. There were three black judges, three, one, two, three. And it, by, and, and it was clear to me, and I think it was clear to everybody else, uh, that there is no way that in a constitutional democracy, which emphasizes equality, this, that, and the next thing, the, the population, majority black, would be dealt with in issues of justice by a white majority, majority judiciary. And I think there is a provision in the Constitution, Section 172 of the Constitution, that, that commands this, that says, you know, in the, you know, in the recommendations that the Judicial Service Commission makes to the president for appointment of judges, the judges should be, in, it should be with an aim, you know, to add to uh, the transformation, it doesn't say in so many ways, but it must contribute to representativity in terms of race and gender. Now, I'm not using that to say in cricket this is what should happen, but I'm simply saying it is a sensitive issue that needs people to sit around the table in all sporting codes or in all areas of life in South Africa. Because we can't go into almost half a century of a constitutional democracy. Because very soon, we'll, we'll say 50 years have, have come and gone. And where the constitutional democracy, that talk of equality in terms of race and gender, this, that, what have we achieved? Mm. So, and this needs cool heads. It needs people who realize that uh, our history, you know, <laughs> is one that no one should be proud of. Uh, certainly those who are subjected to unfairness, to inequality, to acts and behavior by those in authority, which was not promoting their human dignity. That is all that this is about. Okay. The cricketers in the field of play must feel so free to say, 
all of us are South Africans. Mm-hmm. But I'm not so sure, given the testimonies so far. But I say, let's hear. At the end, I will have, you know, I'll have to come to you at the end of this process and say, that is, thanks for affording me yet another opportunity. Now we have had all the evidence, and this is my finding. And we will invite you back, Brady. But thank you very much for engaging with us um, about this process and for giving clarity even before it started. We really appreciate the time you've spent on this. And also, as well as your team, without singling anybody, but Advocate Nele has been in top form there for me, a standout performer. And also, uh, we wish you all the best going forward. And we hope that you can do your work to the best of your ability, Advocate, because mkulu um, sevins. And um, just before I go, I'm going to read this message from Peter in Deben, who says this show is a witch hunt. It has become a political agenda show it's no longer a sports show and peter goes on to further say when are we going to have an inquiry into soccer as to why no players of color uh, of other codes must confirm to quotas then so must soccer hardly no white indian or colored players in any of the bafana bafana sides advocate as i said let's not be emotional peter just to simplify it for you the majority of this country racially demographically is black that's about 80 90 percent if you also include black or colored so in a team of 11 if there are actually 10 black players in a team of 11, starting 11 of Bafana Bafana, that already represents the majority of the country because white people are a minority in this country. There's less than 10% of white people in this country. So if Dan Fairman is the only white player in a team of 11, it actually represents the true democracy graphics of South Africa. So that is not a debate. That is not a debate about Bafana Bafana uh, being a racially representative or demographically representative because the majority of this country is black. It is as simple as, as, as that. I'm going to go to news. Let's leave it there. We'll be back again tomorrow.